Hi, everyone, and welcome again to Training for Life Redeemed. I'm your host, Dan, and as always, I'm joined by my father, David Jackson. We've been working our way through Job. Now, remember, good Dad has written a whole book on Job. If you would like to check out that book, make sure you come over to the website. You can get the study notes too at the website. Just come to trainingforliferedeemed.com slash 55, and there'll be links and stuff there to go and buy his book and to uh, grab your study notes and stuff. Now, Dad, we've finished all the debates. Job's had to deal with his three friends and then Elihu, the 17-year-old, popping up out of the crowd, full of knowledge and knowing everything and not really saying much at all. And as Elihu is finishing, God shows up and begins to speak. So Job has really stuck to his guns all through the long process of arguments, constantly kind of repeating themselves, people saying, you're not blameless, Job. And Job's like, yes, I am. I'm not. Yes, I am. Uh, God said he was blameless and God refuses to deny not God, Job refuses to deny that the whole way through. So now that God shows up, why is he yelling at Job? <laughs> uh, I expect him to say, you know, Job, you are fine. Everyone else, you know, go away, leave him alone. Uh, yeah, this is not Job's fault. Why is God getting stuck into Job like this? Yeah, poor old Job. You'd be, you know, I think every believer uh, looks, Jesus said to us, you know, you want to hear the words from God. Well done, my good and faithful servant, don't you? And if we're following this story, you know, God says Job is blameless. He's my model example. Go test him. Throw everything you like at him. He's faithful. He'll persevere. And he did. And to ridiculous lengths of abuse and mockery and, you know, exaggeration, everything that you could possibly endure physically as well as socially and emotionally. And when God turns up, we're expecting, ah, finally, you know, God's going to come along and say the good words. And instead, the first words you hear are, who is this who darkens counsel with words without knowledge? And you sort of go, what? And so for the next few chapters from, what is it, 37 to 42, it sounds like God is yelling at Job. And I think the three friends would be sitting back listening to God talk to Job and going, yeah, give it to him. When you go back and you reread this really carefully, it comes as a bit of a surprise. God doesn't ever say Job did the wrong thing. God asks Job a series of questions. Now, most of the questions are, why do you think I have to answer to you? You know, where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? Who do you think you are? The irony is Job has been saying exactly the same thing all through his speeches. God is God. I'm a man. I can't go into God's court. I can't hold God accountable. You know, to begin to do that, I'd need a mediator who was big enough to stand between us, and that's a ridiculous idea. I can't imagine that happening. You know, but I, I, I need a mediator. I need a redeemer kinsman. Oh, and he would be God. Hmm. So he's worked that much out, but he's never said, I'm going to bring God into my court. So God asks him these questions. And interestingly enough, when we check out each of those questions, they are the questions the friends put to him. 
They're, in fact, the accusations the friends made. They've accused Job of darkening counsel, of not having any knowledge, of being ignorant. They've accused him of finding fault with the Almighty. Yahweh says, will the fault finder take the Almighty to court? And Job says, I'm minuscule. How could I come back at you? I put my hand on my mouth. I've spoken once. I answered twice. I'm not adding anything. So Job is saying, you know, I've done none of these things. I'm just sitting here waiting for you to deliver judgment. The answer to my case is in your court. I don't take you to court. I don't declare you unjust. So God puts all of the accusations to Job that the friends have put. And Job's answer is, I've got nothing more to say. I didn't say any of that. <laughs> I'm just here, your God. It's all yours. <laughs> so God asks him, do you violate my judgment? Do you condemn me to justify yourself? Well, the answer is no. They're almost, that's word for word what Bildad said to Job. And, jo and God puts the question and Job goes, no, no, no. And you go back and you look at Job's speeches when he answers that charge and he answers it specifically. Absolutely not. God is just. I'm blameless. That doesn't make God unjust. Don't know how that works, but it's true. <laughs> so you know, at the end of the whole thing, God has put the questions. The friends are sitting over here going, yay, he's going to hammer Job. And I think Yahweh is setting the friends up to just swing the gate over and go, no, actually, it's you guys, <laughs> and dump it on them. We used to play a bit of a game at school when I wanted to give an award to somebody, you know, who'd done something wonderful at school. They were often kids who, you know, got a string of awards, you know, little Miss Perfect, you know, and, and nobody's perfect, but, you know, the kind of kid who's top of the class, always well-behaved, does everything, and, you know, and if you call them up to get an award, their friends go, oh, yeah, another one, and they'll, get, they'll cough a bit of flack. So I used to get the secretary down at the front office. I want you to summon so-and-so to the front office in your most serious voice. And so you'd hear this voice. They'd say the name, report to the front office. And the whole playground would go, what? <laughs> and they'd come in and they'd go, what did I do wrong? What did I do? And you'd hand them the award and they'd go, Oh, <laughs> totally sucked in. And I think that's what's happening here. Yahweh is setting the friends up to really get the point. Um, yeah. Right. So does God actually speak to the friends at all or just to Joe? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's start with, let's go to verse 6 of chapter 42, because this doesn't really make sense to me. If what you have been saying so far, you know, that Job is blameless, that God is righteous, God, Job is blameless, then why is Job in 42.6 saying, I despise my life and I repent on the dust and ashes? I thought the whole point was that he hadn't done anything <laughs> wrong and now he's repent. What is he repenting of if he hasn't done anything wrong uh, or is there something else that we're missing? I put this down to an absolutely dreadful translation. Um, and the guy, that the first person to come up with the idea that Job repented was a bloke called Jerome, uh, and he translated the Bible into Latin back in the late 4th century. And before that, this idea of Job repenting hadn't occurred to anybody. 
but somehow it got into the Latin Vulgate and it got into the King James and it's just stuck. The word for repent in Hebrew is shuv, and it means to do a U-turn. And if you repent, it means you've been guilty of something wrong and you've got to turn your life around. That's not the word here. So the word here is the word for being sorry. It's also the word for comfort. So if we look at this, you know, 42.6, the first line, if you look at your English Bible, it says, I reject my life, probably some translation like that, but my life will be in italics because those words aren't in the original. And that word reject is is a, a really weird little word because the same there are two words that are spelt and pronounced the same way one means to reject something one means to melt it's sort of like our english word bear you know i bear my burdens there's a bear in the woods you know i don't wander around with a bare chest <laughs> you know it's exact it sounds like the same word but it's actually three different words here we've got two different hebrew words one i reject something But here, there is no something. So people imagine what he rejected. Now, earlier in the book, in Job 5, don't reject the discipline of the Almighty. That's one of these words. God doesn't reject the blameless. Job says in 9.21, I reject my life. In 19, he says, even the little boys despise me. That's one of these words. But there's this other word spelt and pronounced the same way, and it never, ever takes a direct object. So my skin hardened and is seeping. So he's oozing, liquids coming out. 7.16, I'm falling apart, I'm melting, (laughs) I'm collapsing. In 36.5, God is powerful, he doesn't go to water. That's the other word. And so here we have Yahweh's appeared and Job has, you know, I've got nothing more to say, hand on mouth, it's all yours. And his final words to the Lord is, I'm just going to go to water on my little pile of dust and ashes. I can relax now. God's come. And then the next word is, and I am comforted on the dust and ashes. So if you go back through the book, This word comfort can mean to grieve, to be sorry. And quite often in the Old Testament, you'll find God was grieving or he was sorry about something, but it doesn't mean God's repenting of sin. And that's the difference. Job did not repent. He was full of sorrow. And the word's also used to comfort or to be comforted. So back in the Old Testament, Isaac is comforted following the death of his mother. Jacob refused to be comforted over Joseph's death. It's the same word. When you go through Job, the three friends arrive to lament with him and to comfort him. Same word. In 7.13, he says, I was hoping my bed would comfort me, but instead I can't get any sleep. He says to the friends, comforters who bring suffering are all of you. Very opposite of comfort. How do you comfort me with emptiness? So here, Yahweh's turned up. He's been crying out for God to come and vindicate him. And his response is, 
I melt and I'm comforted on the dust and ashes. Now, if, if you want to translate this as repent, then go back to all those other places where God does it and, and God repents and go, why do we have to figure out what, you know, God does not repent. Yeah. Um, now, if you read Bible commentaries on this verse, you'll find everybody's surprised that Job repents and the Bible commentators go nuts trying to figure out what he repented of. Did he repent of wanting to take God to court? Did he repent of the way he spoke to God? Was he not polite enough? Um, that's the usual evangelical reading of it. You know, we, he spoke to, no, he, he was rude to God. But then look at what God says next. Job says, I melt, I'm comforted on my dust and ashes, and the very next words out of God's mouth is to turn around and tell the three friends everything God said was right. There's vindication. Yeah, it's almost like Job's been waiting the whole way through. Like when you're talking about that whole idea of being comforted and the three guys are there to comfort him, but they don't, and he's constantly throughout the whole thing, there's this comfort kind of theme throughout it, and then at the end he's finally comforted by what God has said because God hasn't actually accused him of doing anything wrong just, you know, put him in his place as <laughs> reminding everyone, I'm God. I don't know why you're all debating about this because <laughs> I am God. <laughs> uh, and so it makes sense then that Job does not repent uh, and that he, he is vindicated then. How does that then link through to us and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So all these people that have accused Job, those same accusations come at every Christian. They came at Jesus. I mean, there's your blameless suffering servant, and he cops the same things. He's accused of blaspheming God, left, right, and centre. But God's words to the three friends are beautiful. You haven't spoken of me what is right as my servant Job did. So Job is, everything Job said is right. So you can't go back and say Job did anything wrong. But the next thing he says is, now, you guys need forgiveness. <laughs> you know, Job doesn't, you do. So you go and get yourself all these animals. And it's that the sacrifice that he orders is enormous. You know, each one of them is bringing multiple animals to cover the guilt of all the abuse they've dumped on Job. And they've got to bring the animals to Job. And here's this beautiful scene my blameless man will pray for you that I will forgive you. And Job does that. They bring it. And then it says, and God approved Job. <laughs> he didn't <laughs> approve the three friends. He heard Job. He accepted Job's prayer on behalf of So Job's acting as their priest. Uh, then what about Elihu, right? So the three friends are, are spoken to. They have to bring sacrifices and you know, Job prays for them. If God doesn't mention Elihu, does that mean Elihu then was right, that he was that he didn't do the wrong thing or that he does he no, need to it, do the it, same sacrifices? It really means that Elihu is just ignored. He doesn't count. He's not one of the men. He's treated as a child, which is sort of a, uh, a, a good payback for a bloke whose you know head's a little bit bigger than his shoulders, but you you get the picture. You know, if you want to abuse my people, you and, and charge them with all this, you are the one who needs forgiveness, and the way to get forgiveness is through my people. 
Yeah. You need a blameless mediator. Uh, so go talk to Job. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your animals. I mean, we're talking about, you know, what's an ox worth? A thousand bucks? Yeah, these days probably more. <laughs> probably more. My sister raises cattle, you know, she sells them at $2,000 a head. <laughs> You're going to bring the best of your herd to Job and he's going to, yeah. You, you get the idea. And then in God's justice, he gives Job back double of everything. So the Sabaeans and the Chaldeans, they're never going to pay back the stuff they stole. But God delivers, you know, double for everything that he lost. He, he even delivers to him. I think a new wife to replace the one that racked off. I can't imagine his first wife having another 10 kids. Um, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. Um, they were living fairly long. I'm sure there's plenty of time. Yeah, maybe. But, uh, but another 10 kids, seven sons, three daughters. I mean, there, there's a justice about this in the vindication as well, public display that this is my man. Mm. Uh, and that's wonderful. Um, what about us? Well, I think the best place to finish the book of Job um, is Romans. Uh, and I think when Paul wrote these words, it was sort of his commentary feeding back off Job and everything since. So let me just read this straight out of my Bible. Romans 8.31, what will we say to these things? If God is for us, who's against us? He who didn't spare his own son but handed him over for us all, how will he not all with him give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God's the one who justifies. Who is the one who will condemn? Christ Jesus is he who died, he was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us. Who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? And then he runs through the list. And concludes, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I think that's that's the gospel in Job, isn't it? Mm. Uh, you hang on to Jesus, all the accusations, all the flack, all the, you know, your house burns down, everybody's dead around you, but you hang on to Jesus because with him is eternal life. And if you lose that, even if you have everything else, it doesn't matter. Well, Dad, thank you so much for taking us through the book of Job. Now, of course, if you would like to get the study notes for this episode or you want to go and find Dad's book, Dad, your book's called Crying Out for Vindication. Is that correct? That's right. Yep. So Crying Out for Vindication, you can probably find it on Amazon or in Kurong or something like that and purchase it from there. You can also grab the study notes that Dad's written specifically for this series. So you can grab all that and the links to everything you can find at trainingforliferedeemed.com slash 55 if you enjoyed this episode if you enjoyed this little series please leave us a review we would love for you to subscribe as well and come back and join us for our next episode and dad i believe we are switching over now to the new testament we're heading into matthew we're about to start matthew's gospel and that's going to be exciting <laughs> well i'm definitely looking forward to that and i hope that you'll come and join us as well 